Uh, Tim's a good one, isn't he? Just love him and so thankful for him and his friendship over the last uh, 10 years or so of my life and, and uh, his just kindness to my family and speaking into our lives. It's, it's, uh, it's great and I'm, I'm so honored uh, to be a part of what God is doing here at Parkview and just be able to play a small piece and helping us grow and, and come to see uh, Jesus uh, more clearly. And, and I also just have to say this, uh, being from the West Coast, it is cold. And this is as cold as I have been in a decade. This morning, I really do think, I think my eyelids froze shut when I got in the car. Is that possible? I don't know if it's possible. I still, anyway, I just had to say that because I feel like I'm squinting at you. But I'm glad to be here. And I also want to say this before we dive into the message. I think this is really important. For the last couple of weeks, I've been watching reports and hearing stories about the Homer Glen campus. Can we just give them a huge hand, some huge applause for what they're doing, what God is doing? Uh, through you guys out there in Homer Glen, we're so proud of you. And just continue inviting friends and neighbors uh, and coworkers, people from school, uh, to come see Jesus there at that campus. We're proud of you. So today, here's where we are. We're in the second week of a series called How to Love a Vampire. And if you were here last weekend, Pastor Tim started out the series, and he was talking about people who drain us in our lives. He was talking about the fact that we all have people around us who suck the life out of us right? And, and a lot of times those people just annoy us to no end. And he talked about that for a lot last week. And I think if you were here, you were probably with him because, you know, we all have people who annoy us, who suck the life out of us. But then here's what Tim did last week, midway through the message. He kind of took us on a turn and he said this, not only do we have people around us who suck the life out of us, but also we all suck the life out of other people sometimes. And he began to describe to us last weekend how sometimes we ourselves are the ones who are sucking the life out of other people around us in our family, in our coworkers, in our neighborhood, and things like that. And kind of his big idea, kind of the crux of his message last week, I just want to reiterate this to you. I thought it was so important. He said this. Tim said, what we need to do, most of us, is we need to put down the magnifying glass that amplifies everyone else's inadequacies. And what we probably need to do is pick up the mirror that illuminates our own issues. And so that's where we're going to head this week. We're going to head a little deeper into this series, and I'm going to warn you up front, it's going to be kind of an intense time of study today, but I promise you, by the time we get to the end of the study, I promise you, it's going to be worth it for our lives and our families. What we're going to do today is we're going to pick up the mirror, and we're going to look at ourselves and we're going to study this thing that goes beyond just being annoying or people annoying us and this thing called anger. Why do we get angry in our lives so often times when we get these, maybe these bite wounds from vampires? How do we get over some of these anger issues or, or bitterness when we get betrayed or lied to? That's what we're going to dive into today as we turn the mirror towards ourselves. So here's what I want to ask. If you have a Bible with you today, would you open it up to Ephesians chapter 4? Ephesians chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible, that's all right. You can grab your smartphone or a tablet or however it is you locate Scripture these days. We'll also have a lot of the Scriptures up on the screen. But Ephesians chapter 4 is where we're going to be. And in this section of Scripture, uh, let me just kind of tell you what's going on. It's, it's written by a guy named Paul. 
And Paul is writing to a group of people who are pretty new Christians. They've kind of just started following Jesus pretty recently, and they're really trying to figure out how to heal maybe from some of these bite wounds from people in their past relationships. They're trying to figure out how to get through some anger that they have in their lives. And Paul gives them this great advice, and I think it's perfect for us to study uh, today. So Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 26. Paul says, In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Now, I want you to just pause right there in just those couple verses. We're going to take a little bit of time and just unpack and pull those verses apart. And the first thing I want you to see, if you're taking any notes, you can write down these first six words, and that is, in your anger, do not sin. In your anger, do not sin, is what Paul says. And the the first thing I want you to see, if you're taking notes and write down, is this. It's not a sin to get angry. It's not a sin to get angry in our lives. Paul says, in your anger, not don't ever get angry. He says, in your anger, do not sin. It's not a sin to get angry. We're all going to have times in our life where we uh, feel angry. And, And how many of you know this? We all express anger in different ways, don't we? And and so here's what I want to do for just a few moments today. I don't want to leave anybody behind as we dive into this message. I just want to share with you a few ways that we all express anger. Now, as I share these ways, uh, please, if I share the one that is appropriate for you, please don't stand and cheer, okay? That wouldn't be appropriate. And, and, And if you see one that is somebody next to you, don't point because... We're not pointing this morning either, okay? Uh, So here's one of the first ways that we express anger in our lives. It's like this. It's like toxic waste. And when you get angry, maybe, what you do is you just push it down. And you just push it down and you just push it down for weeks or months or maybe years. You don't even really let anybody know you're angry. But what happens is this. After a few months, after a few years, what happens? That anger, that bitterness, those bite wounds that happen in your life, they begin to seep out into your life, into your relationships. And sometimes you don't even know why you're upset, neither do other people, because it's been so long ago, and it's just kind of toxic to your life. That's how some express anger. Others express anger like this, like a volcano. When, when you get angry, when somebody upsets you, I mean, you rumble around for a few days maybe, but then somebody pushes your buttons and you explode. And, and you spew lava and ash all over everybody, whether they deserve it or not. Everybody knows you're fired up. Everybody knows you're upset. You're like a volcano when you express your anger. And there's others of you I know sitting here right now going, I can't believe anybody would do that. I mean, I can't believe anybody would be so volcanic and that's just so immature and all those kinds of things. And here's the reason you think that. It's because you express your anger like this. You're an ice storm. When you get angry, you just kind of, you get quiet. You get angry, you just start to kind of freeze people out. People kind of realize what's going on in your life, and then they they look at you and say, hey, are, 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 are you okay? Oh, yeah, I'm good. Good, good. Are you sure you're okay? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you sure? You don't look very, oh, I'm good. And you just kind of freeze people out. That's the way you express anger in your life. And then there are also some who express like this, you're like a microwave. When you get angry, you have zero incubation period. 
right? You get bit and you bite back immediately. It is like a microwave. And what I want us to see today is that we all express anger in different ways. And the command in the Bible is not, don't ever get angry. That's not the command. The command is, in your anger, as you get angry in your life, do not sin. How many of you know that anger is actually a neutral emotion? It's a neutral emotion. That's what anger is. And and anger can be something that is uh, a negative thing, of course. It it can be negative. A few examples of negative anger uh, would be maybe uh, you're driving your car in a parking lot and you're looking for the perfect parking space, right? Maybe this has happened to you in just even the last few weeks during the holiday season and and you're kind of trolling through the parking lot, it seems like forever, and you find the perfect space where you see a car with the, you know, the taillights lit up, right? They're going to pull out and so you pull up and you do what? You put on your blinker and you get as close as you can. And it it seems like you're waiting there for five minutes, ten minutes. I mean, who knows what this person is doing in the car, right? And who knows why they're not pulling out. So you're just waiting there. You're feeling embarrassed. And and he's just or she is just about ready to pull out. And you're ready to pull in. And and sometimes, here's what happens. Sometimes somebody else swoops in and gets your place. Has this ever happened to you? And right there, you just lose it in the car with your kids right? In the church parking lot, right? Uh, Hopefully not that, but that can happen, right? It's like, okay, you know, kids, let's go in and pray for mommy again. Let's pray. It's time to go to church, you know, tell your teacher, it's time to pray for mommy, and you know, that's what church is all about, right? So that's, sometimes that's the way we express anger, or maybe it's at work. Maybe you get bit by a vampire at work, and they belittle you, or they make you feel bad, in front of other people at work or maybe even at school. And so later on that day, you're with some of your friends, and you know what you do? You start to string swear words together like it's an Olympic sport, okay? And you are going for the gold, all right? And it's like a negative expression of anger in your life. We know it can be negative, but how many of you know this, that anger can also be a positive thing? It really can. There are times for anger to happen in a good way. For instance, uh, a couple weeks from now, we have the Super Bowl uh, coming, and uh, for the NFL, it's going to be played in the San Francisco Bay Area, uh, which is pretty cool. And did you know this? Uh, Did you know that during the Super Bowl week, uh, experts say that there will be hundreds, some of them estimate that there will be many thousands of young kids, usually girls, brought into that city for the Super Bowl for the sex trafficking industry? Are you aware of this? That should fire you up. That should cause an anger inside of you to know that is happening. I've been kind of studying some of that this week. Listen to what Attorney General Greg Abbott said in the state of Texas. He said this a few years ago when they were hosting the Super Bowl. He said, and I quote, the Super Bowl, it's commonly known as the largest single human trafficking event in the United States. That should fire you up. You see, there is a time, Parkview, for a righteous anger, right? When you see children being abused or taken advantage of, or you see poor people being mistreated, we should be fired up about that. And this is probably another message for another time. Hopefully I'll get an opportunity someday to share this with you. But you know what really fires me up? 
I can, I can take a lot. I, I rarely get angry, but you know what makes me angry in my life? It's when I hear somebody misusing God's name. Or when I hear somebody using Jesus' name in just a flippant way. They say, oh my God, did you see that? Or Jesus Christ, look at him. When I hear that happening, I can take a lot. But I just want to go up to that person, and I know I shouldn't, but I want to shake them. And say, do you know what's going on there? Do you know how God feels about his name? And it's something that just fires me up in my life because that's my God. That's my Savior. And so what I'm trying to say to you, Parkview, is this, that there's times to be angry. It's not a sin to get angry. But here's the second thing I want you to write down in your notes if you're taking notes. It is a sin to stay angry. It is a sin to stay angry in your life. I want you to write that down as well. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26, it continues on, and Paul says, Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Now, you have maybe heard that section of Scripture before, and a lot of times when we hear it, it's in the context of of married people, right? A lot of times it's, you know, for married people, don't go to bed uh, while you're still angry. And I want you to know in in my life with with my wife, Renee, over the last few decades of our life, by the way, uh, I've been married now uh, to my wife, Renee, for 25 years years. Is that crazy? Is that amazing? Um, we got married when we were 11 years old, uh, so it was, it's worked out. People were against it, but it's working, so um, no, seriously. Uh, there have been a lot of times in our life over the last decade or two where we have stayed up late into the night trying to work through things, and we wake up in the morning, and we're exhausted, and we're tired, but I think it's a good thing, right? It's good wisdom to stay up late and to work through things and resolve issues and try and heal bite wounds. But how many of you know this? With all that being said, how many of you know this? There are some things, there are some issues in our lives that can't be resolved in just one night. Right? There are some things in our marriages, some things in our families that can't be resolved in just one evening. You know why that is? It's because a lot of times the things that you're angry about at night are not really directly related to anything that happened that day. The things we get angry about at night when we go to bed are not always directly related to anything that happened during that day. Here's another thing I've learned over the last few years about anger, and that is that anger is a secondary emotion. Anger in your life is always going to be a secondary emotion. Now, here's the deal, Parkview. I don't know all of you on on both of our campuses, and and not all of you know me at this point either, but I can tell you, I can promise you this, one thing that is true in your life, of any anger that you have in your life, any bitterness, I promise you that anger is a result or a reaction to something else that has occurred in your life. You get bit and you get angry. It's always going to be a secondary type thing. And maybe to help you remember this, not just this weekend, but to help you remember this you know, next week and next month and even next year, uh, let me show you uh, this graphic and tell you that anger is a lot like an iceberg. 
Anger is a lot like an iceberg, if you really think about it in our lives, where you have your anger up here on on the top of the surface of the water, and you can see that. Everyone else can see that you're angry, you're upset, you got bit uh, about something in your life, and that's up where everybody can see it. But what everybody can't see, and what we don't even always understand in our own lives, is that the reason we're angry up here is because a lot of these other things that are going on underneath the water, deep down in our lives. Maybe you got hurt, humiliated, abandoned, ignored, abused, betrayed, deceived, or rejected. And maybe one of these things happened weeks or months or even years ago. And it's just now after time kind of bubbling up to the surface. In other words, maybe just this last week you got ignored It's been seven days ago or ten days ago, somebody at work or somebody at school, one of your classmates, they ignored you and you got kind of upset about that. But just now this weekend, it's bubbling up to the surface and you're getting angry or bitter about all kinds of other things. Or maybe you feel like your mom or your dad abandoned you. And you know what? That's been a decade ago or two decades ago or three decades ago, but because of some of the circumstances that are going on in your life, going on in your workplace, going on in your finances right now, for some reason, it's just now starting to bubble up to the top, and it's just now becoming visible in your life. I just want us to see that a lot of times, anger is going to be this secondary emotion, and there's a lot of other things below the surface in our lives. So when Paul says, do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, what he's saying is, do not allow today's anger to carry over into tomorrow. Do not allow yesterday's anger to carry over into today. Maybe in a real practical sense, do not allow any hurt or pain or anger from your single adult life to carry over into your married life. Just don't do it as much as it's possible. Do not allow the pain and hurt from your first marriage to carry over into your second marriage. Carry your anger as short a time as possible. And do not, listen, to put it in context of our series, do not ignore the bite wounds from vampires in your life. Now, why is that? Well, Paul goes on in the very next verse, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 27, and tells us why. Paul says, and do not give the devil a foothold. Everybody say foothold. Foothold. Do not give the devil a foothold. Here's what happens. When you and I allow anger to exist unresolved in our lives, when we carry anger over from day to day and week to week and month to month and year to year, here's what happens. Those bite wounds can quickly turn in to bitterness. That's what happens in your life and in, me, and in mine. I've seen it happen in mine. Those bite wounds can quickly become bitterness. And when that happens, what Paul is saying is when that happens in our life, what happens is we end up giving the devil a foothold. A little bit of a foothold in our lives. And maybe you've heard that before. You've heard the devil having a foothold or don't give him a foothold. And you've wondered, what in the world does that mean? I don't know how I'm giving the devil a foothold. I don't think I'm giving the devil a foothold. Am I giving the devil a foothold? Maybe I am. What does that mean? Well, here's what I think it means. The word foothold in the Greek is the word tapos. 
T-O-P-O-S, topos, and it means to stake out a claim. That's what foothold means. It means to stake out a claim. So when we let bitterness or we let anger into our lives and the devil gets a foothold, what he's doing is staking out a claim in our lives. In other words, the devil owns part of your heart. And let me just tell you, by the way, let's push this a little bit further. When the devil gets a part of your heart or my heart staked out, let me tell you what he's going to do. I, I, I can already tell you what's going to happen in your life. Here's how you're going to feel. This is just a diagnostic today to know if the devil has a little foothold in your heart. Here's how you're going to feel. If you feel this emotion that I'm getting ready to describe to you, it's likely that the devil has a little place. You don't want him to. But he has a little place staked out in your heart. Here's what he's going to do. The devil is going to convince you that other people owe you. That's what he'll do. He'll convince you in your life that other people around you owe you something. And that's how he gets this little area staked out. Now, here's what I want to say to you. What I'm getting ready to share with you right now, I have not always understood this in my life. I went a whole lot of years without understanding how the devil works in this way in my life. And a couple of years ago, I read this book called It Came From Within. It Came From Within. And it's a book by a guy named Andy Stanley. And it's just, it's been so huge for my life. And, and what he says in this book is the whole deal with anger. The reason it exists in your life and mine is because we believe somebody owes us something. And I don't know who that is, practically speaking, for you. Maybe it's your boss at work, and you believe that he or she owes you a promotion, or they owe you a raise that you didn't get this last year, or they owe you a better office, and you've been working hard for this, and they haven't given it to you, and so they owe you that, and so you're angry or bitter with them. Or maybe the person who you feel like owes you is a spouse, because there was a time in your life maybe where you stood on a stage a whole lot like this and, and you had all kinds of people in the room and you said, you know, you exchanged vows and you said, until death do we part. And then guess what? They, uh, because of some circumstances in your life, they took off. And the truth is, down below the surface in the iceberg, you kind of still feel like they owe you something. They kind of still owe you this life and this marriage that you thought you would have together. Or maybe it's a mom or dad from a childhood who owes you something. I tell you this, that anger exists in our lives, friends, because we feel like somebody owes us something. And that's, again, why Paul says, listen, this whole deal with anger, do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And the reason for that is this. This is kind of the crux of the message today. If you're going to write something down, if you're going to remember something, just hang on to this. The reason this is also important is because, friends, listen, when the sun sets on a season of your life, it gets so very easy to lose sight of the original source of that hurt. Let me say that again. When you or I allow the sun to set... On any season of our life, it gets very, very easy for us to lose sight of the original source of that hurt or that pain in our lives. In other words, again, in the context of our series, it's easy to forget who bit you. It's easy to forget who bit you in your life. I've seen this play out in my life a number of times. 
and in people's lives around me. Maybe the best way I can illustrate this is I was a youth pastor for 10 years. And uh, during that 10-year period, I got to work with just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of students. And some of the students I got to work with, obviously, were guys. And uh, this could happen, what I'm getting ready to describe, it could happen with guys or with girls. But I'm just going to share it in the guy vein because that's how I've seen it most. I get to work with dozens of these guys, and a great number of them, what I've seen happen is at some point in their elementary years or in their teenage years, they get hurt a little bit. Maybe by somebody at school, maybe by somebody at home, maybe there's a divorce, maybe they get abused. But what happens to some of these guys in their elementary years or their teenage years is they get bit and they get upset. And this can happen to girls too. And they get angry. And what happens is they never get this taken care of in the elementary or teenage years. And so they go ahead and they carry it on into their young adult years and into college. And I've seen this over and over. Guys start dating girls and, 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 and they just can't do it very well. Can they, girls? It's tough sometimes for them. These guys get these amazing girls, these great girls, but they just they can't keep them because they're always upset or they're always angry or they always have something going on, and so they just can't seem to date in a good way. But then I've seen it continue on where they grow and they fall in love with somebody and they end up getting married. And this guy, and again, this can happen with girls as well, but I've seen it happen so many times. This guy is just always kind of biting it people. He's always kind of upset and angry with his wife, or he's always kind of short and angry with the kids, and, and he's just kind of got this, this thing down below the surface. And I've had a number of young ladies come to me and say, Todd, I don't know what to do. You know what? I don't know what I, I honestly, honestly, I don't know what I've done. I don't know what the kids have done. I don't know why he's so upset. And you know what, Todd? I've had ladies say this to me. I don't even think it's about us. I, I don't even think this is about me. And you know what? A lot of times, she's exactly right. A lot of times, this is a result of anger or bitterness that's been carried over from season to season to season of life. And how many of you know this is true? A lot of times, it's difficult to deal with an angry or upset person because a lot of times, they've completely lost sight of the original source of their hurt, the original source of their anger. And that's why Paul says in the Bible... Do not let the sun set on your anger, on your bitterness. Do not let a season of your life end while you still have anger on the books. As much as is possible, just don't do that. Now I want to pause right here because I know some of you right now are kind of arguing with me in your head during this message, right? I can see you're arguing with me in your head, and you're always going to win that argument, by the way. And uh, I can see the little bubbles coming up, and you're saying, well, Todd, this is great, wonderful, you know, just great message. I mean, Ephesians, how can you battle Ephesians? I mean, it's in the Bible, and so I'm sure it's all true, and, and that sort of thing. This, this all sounds great, but Todd, this is hard. We're turning the mirror towards ourselves today, Right? Remember, we're going a little bit deeper in this series, and, it, and, and you're saying, Todd, if I just get rid of my anger, I'm just letting somebody off the hook, right? And I mean, they hurt me. Do you understand that, Todd? They hurt me, and now they're getting away with it. And if I just let my boss, if I just let my coach or my former best friend or my ex-spouse off the hook, guess what, Todd? That's not fair. That's not fair. And you know what I would say to you today? Of course it's not fair. That's why you're angry. 
Of course it's not fair. That's why you have some anger in your life. And just please hear my heart on this. Please hear my tone on this. If you are the type of person who always has to make every single thing in life come out to be fair, you're probably always going to be a little bit angry. Because how many of you know not everything in this life always comes out fair? Because this is a sinful, broken world. And if everything in your family has to always be fair, if everything in your marriage has to always be fair, if everything in your workplace has to always be fair, if everything in your school has to always be fair, my guess is this, you're probably always going to be a little bit angry. And I think that's why Paul goes on. And he kind of wraps this up and pulls this together after, you know, don't go to bed angry and don't, you know, dwell on this bitterness and all these things. Take a look at what, how he wraps things up in, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. Take a look at what he says. He says, here's what you should do based on all these things we've studied, based on all this stuff that's going on below the surface. He says you should be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Now, I want to be really careful here, Parkview, because I know that when we talk about things like this, for some of you, there is a whole lot of hurt deep, in, deep beneath the surface. And you've had things done to you that uh, they are unimaginable. I, I don't understand. You're right. But I know that the answer to this is to begin to forgive that person. If you're taking notes, you could write this next thing down in your notes, and that is that forgiveness heals bite wounds from vampires. It literally does. We're talking about healing some of these things today. Forgiveness is what literally will heal bite wounds in your life. Forgiveness is anger's worst enemy. It is. It's its worst enemy. And so the question is, how do we do this in a practical way today as we walk out and and go into a new week. How, how, do we, how do we walk towards being less and less and less and less angry each night when we go to bed with something that's happened in our past? I want to share just these three quick steps with you. These, again, things are not, these aren't original to me. They're from that came from within book. But I'm telling you, these three things right here, as I've practiced them in my life for the last five, seven years, they've changed my life. In my relationships, they really have. Here's the first thing you have to do if you want to get serious about this in 2016. You have to identify who has made you angry. That's the first step. Identify who has made you angry. And the temptation is going to be to just look at people around you right now, to your right and your left, people at work and people at school. But the truth is, the person who's made you angry could be a few seasons back in your life. I mean, could it, could it be, I, I don't know if this is true or not of you, but could it be that you have actually somehow lost sight of the original source of that pain and that hurt? You have to understand, I have to understand, who's made you angry? Is it somebody in the present or somebody in the past? And I would encourage you to just write down that name. Write down that name sometime this weekend and then move on to this second step, and that is identify what was taken from you. Identify what was taken from you. And you can't skip this step. This is so important because if you and I cannot identify what it is that was taken from us, we'll not be able to forgive that person and we'll just remain a little bit angry towards them in our life. And I can tell you, if, if you how to know if you have skipped this step. 
You've skipped this step if you're saying in your mind right now, maybe you're thinking this, you're thinking, Todd, this all sounds great, but here's the thing. I've tried to do this. I've tried to forgive him. I really have, Todd, believe me. I have tried to forgive him, or I have tried to forgive her. Guess what, Todd? It didn't work. It didn't take. Sorry. Didn't work. You know why it didn't work oftentimes in our life? Because we didn't do the hard work of identifying actually what was taken from you and what you feel like someone owes you. And so it's hard to forgive it when you don't identify it. And here's another thing I would say. Sometimes this is buried so deep in our lives, whether we realize it or not, this is so deep down in the iceberg that it's going to take a trusted friend to come alongside you or maybe even a professional Christian counselor to come alongside you and help you realize some of these things that lay deep, deep down in your life. So you identify who has made you angry, identify what was taken from you, and then this last one, you're going to just love this. This is, gonna, this is so easy. Here's what you do. You just decide to forgive that person. And I know some of you are thinking, that's, I'm not writing that down. I'm just not. That's, I'm, I'm done. That's, you can go back home. And say, I'm not going to write that part down. But, but listen, you've you got to decide to forgive that person. And again, I know that there's been some unbelievable things potentially happen in, in, in your life. And, and you say, I don't, Todd, I, I get it. I get the whole message. I get the whole Ephesians deal. I get these steps, but I just, I'm not ready to do that. And you know what I would say to you? I understand. In many ways, I don't understand, but I do understand that, that you wouldn't want to do that. But here would be one just more question I would ask you. When do you think you will be ready to do that? When do you think you will be ready to forgive? Maybe next weekend? Next month? Maybe next year. Here's what I would say. The longer you and I, this is not just you, this is me. The longer we carry around this kind of, these kinds of bite wounds and this kinds of anger, the more toxic, toxic it becomes to us in our own life and our family and our friends and our neighbors and our coworkers. And, and not only that for the people around us, the thing we've learned today that's probably even bigger, the longer you and I carry this around, the, the more chance there is uh, of us actually losing sight of the original source of that hurt and pain. And so here's the next step today. If you want to take a next step out of here into a new week, here's the next step. Who do you need to forgive today? Well, Todd, it's not fair. I know it's not fair. Forgiveness has nothing to do with fairness. We do that because it helps free us from some of these things in our life. And the only reason you and I could even talk about forgiving other people is because we have been forgiven by God through his son, Christ Jesus. Amen? Through his blood on the cross, through his sacrifice with us, for us, he has forgiven everything in our lives. And you know you. He's forgiven you. And so we can also forgive other people. Let's pray together. God, thanks for today. Thanks for the opportunity for us to be together and to dive in and <clears throat> to study your word. God, I, I thank you for the Bible and just how applicable it is to our lives. And God, in so many ways, it, it just feels like that, that, that you know and the Bible knows us better than we even know ourselves. And it just, it just cuts right into who we are. And so, God, I, I do thank you for that. I praise you for that. I thank you for the time today we've been able to sing and just recalibrate ourselves to you uh, and, and study your word. God, I pray that we would consider these things and, and, and may we be the kind of people, God, who forgive others in just the way that you have also forgiven us. 
It's in your son Jesus' name we pray all these things. Amen.